Hello everyone and welcome to the intro video to my March Madness content that is seven ways to win your March Madness bracket. My name is Dylan Bird here once again on the Sports Bird podcast and I am extremely excited that March Madness is finally here. Obviously we had the one year COVID hiatus so the first time we will be getting a March Madness tournament in the last two years really excited to get going here start talking about the tournament so i decided that to open up this content for the week we have a ton of march madness content coming on this channel this week decided i was going to talk about seven tips that i have found over the years in order to help you win your march madness bracket the last time we had an ncaa tournament in 2019 i was very successful i had virginia to win it all i had texas tech in my final four as a result i won a lot of my money from bracket pools so i wanted to give you some tips that i learned throughout the years plus from that year in 2019 on how to succeed and how to win your march madness pools but first before we get started here just wanted to remind you to like this video and to subscribe to this channel it really helps me out also be sure to follow me on twitter at sports underscore bird follow me on instagram at sports underscore bird and if you like my nba player prop content that's also on this channel be sure to check out my patreon in the link in the description below now let's get going here and let's start talking about the seven ways to win your march madness bracket pool number one right here we have picked teams that are good on both sides of the ball i know it sounds simple but here's one astounding stat for you over the last 10 nca tournaments eight of the winners have ranked in the top 12 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency on kenpom.com there were only two teams in those 10 years that did not rank in the top 10 of both offensive efficiency on kenpom and defensive efficiency on kenpom those two teams were both yukon championship teams going through the years here we had 2019 virginia ranked second in offensive efficiency fifth in defensive efficiency 2018 villanova first and 11th 2017 unc ninth and 11th 2016 villanova third and fifth 2015 duke third and 11th 2014 yukon the team that you know one of the teams that didn't do it 39th and 10th 2013 louisville seventh in offensive first in defensive 2012 kentucky two and seven 2011 yukon another team that didn't 19 and 15 and then 2010 duke rounding out the last 10 tournaments at first in offensive efficiency fifth in defensive efficiency on kenpom.com so both sides of the ball matter you need to be a well-rounded team most of the time to win the ncaa tournament the three teams that are ranked in the top 12 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency on kenpom.com this year michigan gonzaga and illinois now again I don't want to make it seem like this is the be-all, end-all for a team. Just because it's happened in eight of the last 10 years doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. However, this is a high indicator for success. If you're a great offensive team but can't get stops, you're going to have trouble. Like, let's say, like, it's the NCAA tournament. You know, obviously, teams are going to have some nerves. Let's say you're a great offensive team, but the shots aren't falling. You need to have that good defense in order to keep you in games, in order to keep the game close. So some teams that could fall under this trap of being very good on offense, but not as good as defense. You have Baylor, who ranks third on Ken Palm in offensive efficiency and 44th on defensive efficiency. You have Iowa, who ranks second in offensive efficiency and 50th in defensive efficiency. Ohio State ranks fourth in offensive efficiency, 79th in defensive efficiency. Villanova ranks ninth in offensive efficiency, 68th in defense efficiency. Again, this does not mean that these teams definitely won't win, but personally, when I'm picking a winner for the tournament, I am looking for teams that are very are much more balanced on both sides of the ball. So now some teams that would maybe fall to the other end of the spectrum here that are great on defense, but aren't as good on offense. You have Alabama, who ranks 34th in offensive efficiency and second in defensive efficiency. Again, same thing here. Doesn't mean Alabama you know, cannot do well, cannot make a run here. But when I'm taking teams strictly to win this tournament, I'm looking at teams that are, you know, ranked highly 
likely in the top 10, top 12 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Being a well-rounded team matters a lot when winning the NCAA tournament. Now moving on to our number two piece of advice on how to win your March Madness bracket pool, we have differentiate yourself. This is one that I think is extremely important, one that's not talked about, extremely important for people who are playing in large bracket pools, which I am and I assume that most people who are watching this video are as well. You need to be different from other people in order to win large March Madness bracket pools. Otherwise, you're minimizing your path to victory. Let me tell you a quick story about my last bracket. I was in one of these huge brackets, probably actually I think multiple huge brackets. I originally had Duke to pick Virginia. Duke with Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish. That was a very popular winner's pick this year. That was the most picked team to win. I had Duke over Virginia. I thought, I, I thought you know what? Duke should win. They do have that stacked roster. And then I said to myself, you know what? Is there really that much of a big difference between Duke and Virginia where I should be picking Duke to win and not Virginia? Because Virginia, I, I pick to win and I differentiate myself from a lot of people. Duke, I pick to win and I go with the flow. So what I decided to do, I believe it was around Tuesday or Wednesday of that week with the tournament starting Thursday. I said, you know what? I'm going to pick Virginia to win the tournament. I'm going to pick Virginia over Duke. And then I also differentiated myself by having Texas Tech in the final four. Obviously, this paid off big time. This is the same type of advice that, you know, I would give to people who are playing daily fantasy in any single sport. You don't want to be the same as every single other lineup in these huge pools. Otherwise, you know, you're minimizing your path to path to win because if everyone has one guy or one team, then, you know, everyone's going to get points when that team wins. However, if you have one team that's a little bit different from anyone, everyone else, obviously the stakes are huge. If that team wins, you have it. Not a lot of other people do. You get a ton of points that other people don't. So for example here, this year in this tournament, if every single person picks Gonzaga to you know play Baylor, or I should say not every single person is going to pick the same thing. So let's just say 50 to 75% of people have Gonzaga winning and have you know them beating Baylor in the tournament. If you pick Gonzaga and Baylor and Gonzaga beating Baylor, let's say, then you are just minimizing your chances to, to victory. You're probably going to have to rely on your other two final fours that are a little bit different than people, hopefully, um, in order to come through and make the final four in order for you to you know win your bracket. Or even worse, if you have similar other final fours people, you're going to have brackets that are basically contingent on early round matchups. You may hit a point at like the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 where if you have Gonzaga and Baylor, and again, this doesn't mean you can't pick Gonzaga and Baylor. I'm just giving a theoretical example here. If you have Gonzaga and Baylor, and so does everyone else, you may hit a point at the Sweet 16 where you say, you know what? I was so crappy in the round of 64 and the round of 32 that I may not able to make up the ground because I don't have enough differentiation for everyone else. Obviously, you want to last as long as you could in this bracket. So let's just say you, you know, you say, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit different and I'm going to take Baylor over Gonzaga in the final, or I'm going to take Michigan over Baylor or Michigan over Gonzaga, something that nobody else has. As long as you have Michigan still alive, then you're still alive. Obviously, the further you get in the tournament, the more points you get. So if you have Michigan to win and not a lot of other people picked Michigan to win and they're still alive, then you still have plenty of points available. Whereas if you have the same thing as everyone else, you're minimizing your path to victory. So an extremely important thing here is you have to differentiate yourself. One, one, one thing here, just because I gave Gonzaga as an example doesn't mean that you can't pick Gonzaga. But if you do pick Gonzaga, you have to make sure that you differentiate yourself at other places. Pick unconventional Final Fours. You know, make sure that you're just not picking the same as everyone else. It's really important, especially for large bracket pools. And my third piece of advice on how to win your March Madness bracket pool, don't be that guy that picks a bunch of ridiculous upsets. Now, once again, in my number two piece of advice, I just said, you got to differentiate yourself. That does not mean you got to start picking a bunch of just absurd upsets that are definitely not going to happen. 
Don't pick a 16 over one. That's only happened one time in NCAA tournament history. Don't pick a 15 over two. That's only happened eight times. 14 over three is where I would start considering things. But again, that's only happened 21 times. So don't go out there and start picking two or three 14 over three upsets. They're just not a smart thing to do. Uh, the 13 over 4 matchup is where you start getting interesting. That's happened 29 times. You can start getting creative once you get to the 13-4. Again, there are a lot of 13-4 matchups in this you know, particular bracket that I like that I think I may pick the 13. So going to have to look into that. Obviously, that'll come more, more specifics will come later in my content later in the week. But and then, then again, just moving from up here from the 13 to the 4 to the 12-5. The 12-5 happens pretty commonly. Has happened 50 times out of 140 games three times in 2019. So once you hit the 13 to 4 range, 12 to 5 range, that's where you could start getting creative, maybe putting a 13 in your Sweet 16 or a 12 in your Sweet 16, multiple 12s to go through. But, you know, don't be that guy who starts picking 15s, picking multiple 14s. That's just probably not going to end well for you at all. Again, just be smart with your upset picks. Don't do anything absolutely ridiculous. Don't have a 10 seed going to the Final Four. Again, very simple advice here, very general advice, but just don't be that guy. And now before we get to our fourth piece of advice, I just want to let everyone know about Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is a great platform to play player prop games. So if you love the NCAA tournament here and you say, you know what? I like betting on actual players. I like betting on player props. You can go onto Monkey Knife Fight. You can play a ton of player prop games for all these games, playing different games with a player's over-under points, over-under rebounds. You could play it for each individual game of March Madness. You could also play it for a whole daily slate. Lots of fun games to choose from on Monkey Knife Fight. You could also play it for other sports such as NBA, the PGA, MLBs coming up. You go into Monkey Knife Fight and they will match your deposit 100% up to $50 with the promo code DUDE50. Once again, promo code DUDE50. Check it out. Link in the description below. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Lots of cool player prop games over there. But now let's get right into our fourth piece of advice here, and that is don't overweight the conference tournaments. The conference tournament winners tend to be a little bit more chalky than others in terms of brackets. And why? That's because it's just recency bias. That stuff is recent in everyone's mind. Everyone knows that, you know, Texas has gone and won the Big 12. Everyone knows that Illinois has gone and won the Big 10. Everyone knows that, you know, uh, Georgetown just won the Big East. These teams are hot going in. You know, people know that. Again, I'm not singling, you know, singling teams out. I'm just giving examples of teams that have won their conference tournaments this week. But conference tournaments, obviously you get your teams like 2019 Auburn that goes and wins the SEC and then makes it into the tournament as a five seed, runs all the way down to the final four, makes a huge run before ultimately losing to Virginia. A lot of people loved Auburn that week, but unfortunately, a lot of people also love other teams that won the conference tournament, and it doesn't always work out. This is not always indicative of success in the tournament. For example, let me bring out a final four pick of mine, a team that made the finals in 2019. That was Texas Tech. People will forget this, and you know people should forget it because it doesn't ultimately matter. Texas Tech lost to West Virginia, a bad West Virginia team, in the first game of that Big 12 tournament, which, honestly, a lot of people, after Texas Tech was great all year, a lot of people were just like, you know what, I'm done with Texas Tech because of this one game. Think about that. You're you're just basing it off of one game. So what that it happened right before the tournament? Now, I get, yes, I get that some teams could get momentum from the conference tournament. That does play a little bit of a role, but it's not the end-all, be-all at all. Just because a team flops in the conference tournament doesn't mean that they can't do well in the, in the NCAA tournament. Also in 2019, Virginia lost in the semifinals of the ACC tournament to Florida State. They ended up going on to win. In 2017, UNC lost in the ACC semis as well to Duke. They went on to win the NCAA title. So just because, you know, you flop in the NCAA tournament or do well in the NCAA tournament doesn't mean that, you know, you could do well or can't do well in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, again, 
Yes, momentum is, is somewhat important, but momentum is not the end-all be-all. Just because a team did not do well doesn't mean that they can't do well in the NCAA tournament. So just look at a team's whole body of work. Don't just look at what happened in the last week. My fifth piece of advice on how to win your March Madness bracket pool, stay away from excessive chalk. Again, once again, a pretty simple point here that is stressed you know, time and time again. In the last 10 Final Fours, there's been zero times where all four one seeds have gone to the Final Four. The last time that happened, and I believe the only time that happened, was 2008, where there were all four ones. Other than that, that just never has happened at all. It's not going to happen this year, probably. It, you know, it's just one. It's it's a thing that just doesn't happen. All ones normally do not get to the final four. Now, if you go through those last 10 years as well, just talking about one seeds, there was only one time where zero one seeds were in the final four. So nine times in the last 10 years, there's been at least one 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 seed in the final four. There have been six times where there have been just one one seed in the final four of those last 10 years. There have been two times in the last 10 years where there have been two one seeds in the final four. And then there has been one time where there has been three one seeds in the final four. That was 2015. Again, chalk is possible. Obviously, anything's possible in March, but it's extremely unlikely that you get all chalk. Don't be the one that picks three one-two matchups in the Elite Eight. Don't be the one to pick four one seeds in the Final Four. It's just not, it's just unlikely that it's going to happen. Make sure you get creative. This also goes back to the point number two here where you have to differentiate yourself. Don't pick all chalk. Don't go completely with the flow. Go a little bit off the map. Again, don't pick anything insane, but just don't pick all chalk. It's likely not going to work out for you at all. Now, point number six here. This is an extremely important point here. Use analytical websites to evaluate teams. Don't use their record. Don't use the conference that they're in. Use analytical websites such as KenPom.com and Haslametrics.com. In a normal year, it is very tough to evaluate teams that play in different conferences. In a COVID year, it's even harder where you have limited out-of-conference play. You're not going to find a lot of common opponents between a lot of these teams. So how do you compare a 12 seed like UC Santa Barbara against the matchup that they're playing, the 5 seed Creighton, when they have no common opponents, one plays in the Big East, the other plays in the Big West? How do you compare those types of teams? That's where these websites come in, these analytical websites, KenPob.com, Haslametrics.com. Actually, I will be recording tomorrow night, so on Tuesday this will be released. I will be recording a bracket preview show, in-depth analysis on every team with Eric Haslam, the owner of Haslametrics.com. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Be sure to check out that website, Haslametrics.com. But again, these websites, KenPom and Haslametrics, they rank every single college basketball team, 1 through 353, based on efficiency, not based on strength of schedule, not based on some BS net rating that makes no sense, not based on what conference they play in. It's all based on efficiency. Every team is on the level, on, is on the same playing field here, a level playing field when being ranked by Haslametrics or by Kenpom. So, you know, when you want to compare teams to each other, I would go there. I would not look at the record because, you know, obviously teams play different teams, teams play strength of schedule. I would not look at common opponents uh, just not going to end up being very useful. One common opponent is not going to mean anything, especially when that common opponent could have possibly came in November. Teams are different as the year goes on. Don't be, you know, just don't be digging for information like that. Use the analytical websites here where teams are on the level playing field. It really helps me out. It really will help you out as well. And my seventh and final piece of advice for how to win your March Madness pool, go with your gut and have fun. This is simple, but look, don't stress yourself too much out about this March Madness bracket pool. Don't stress yourself out about a 5-12 game that you might not know who's going to win because guess what? 
A lot of these games are just complete coin tosses. You could do all the research you want, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you know it's going to pay off. You could listen to, you could obviously you could research, you could you know watch all the programs throughout the week, you could watch videos like you are right now, you could read a bunch of articles. Look, that's all that's all part of having fun with March Madness. It's all part of March, but just but but, but look at the end of the day. Your research could mean, you know, just as much as somebody on ESPN or somebody on CBS talking. You know, if you find a certain stat or you have an inkling about a team that you think is going to do well, that you think is going to win a game, don't let one person, whether it's a friend, whether it's a person talking on TV, don't let that one person, you know, take that away from you. If you have a gut feeling about a team, go with your gut. It's March Madness. Just because one person is talking a certain way about a team doesn't mean anything at all. Anything could happen in March. Go with your gut. Have fun. Watch the games with friends. Go to bars. Obviously, everything everything as long as it's safe, obviously, in these times that we're in. But, you know, just have fun watching the games. Have fun with your bracket. And don't stress yourself out too much about a tournament that's extremely hard to pick. And that is a wrap for the first video of 2021 March Madness. Once again, my name is Dylan Bird here on the Sportsbird Podcast. Like this video and subscribe to this channel. It really helps me out. Also, be sure to comment on this video with your pick for 2021 March Madness. Who's going to win it all? Comment below. I'd love to see everyone's picks. I'd love to see everyone's comments. It would really be great. You could also follow me on Twitter at sports underscore bird. You can follow me on Instagram at sports underscore bird. Be sure to check out my Patreon in the link in the description below. If you have any questions, you can feel free to reach out to me as well on social media. Stay tuned for more videos this week. Most importantly, we will have a video dropping on Tuesday morning. Me, Eric Haslam, the owner of Haslametrics.com. We will be talking about the entire bracket, breaking it down region by region, team by team. Lots to talk about. This will be this video with Eric Haslam will be a lot more in-depth than this one. This was just kind of a general video. This one will be in-depth talking about team by team. Really, really excited for that. Eric's a great guy, so I'm sure everyone will enjoy this video. Goodbye, everyone, and good luck with March Madness. This is March. Really excited.